Serial Entrepreneur. Hello and welcome back to the Serial Entrepreneur podcast brought to you by Startups Magazine. My guest today is the wonderful Johnny Plain, co-founder of Pout, an online browser extension that does all the work for you by finding and applying voucher codes as you shop. These guys also excitingly appeared on Dragon's Den, but we will get onto that later. Johnny, first of all, thank you for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you on. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks for having me on, Anna. Excited to uh, be recording this episode with you today. Amazing. Well, we are excited to find out all about Pouch and yourself and your experience on Dragon's Den and so much more. But before we delve into all of the nitty gritty, um, my first question to you, take it as it is, which could be the easiest or the hardest one you face today. What is your favourite breakfast cereal and why? I eat this pretty much every day. It is Lizzie's Low Sugar Granola. So they get a little shout out with, I have it with some blueberries and some dairy-free yogurt, and that is pretty much 80% of my breakfast. So uh, easiest question I've heard today so far. Nice. I do love a granola, and especially with like fruit and yogurt. It's such a, it's such a year-round breakfast. Like it's quite summery, but then I feel like you can also make it quite like wintry as well, and it's so refreshing. Never gets boring. Never gets boring. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I feel like that tells me a lot about you. So, uh... <laughs> well, that I never get boring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That you you stick to the same thing. You stick to what you like. So, yeah, this could be the the beginning of a, an interesting conversation. I'm sure. So, for people that may not have come across you before, don't know where they will have been. Tell me a little bit more to begin with about your background and what you did before Pouch. Sure. So. I'm actually, don't know if that goes with having the same cereal every day, but I'm actually an accountant by trade. I know people, you know, have the tagline boring accountants, but after I finished uni, I really wanted to start my own business. I just didn't know when. And the advice I got from very clever people, much cleverer than me was, you know, just go get yourself a skill, go get yourself, get yourself a trade. I was always pretty good with numbers. And uh, I joined one of those corporate grad schemes. I worked at Ernst & Young doing corporate finance and was there for three and a half years, like qualified as an accountant. Really didn't like it very much, but it was a very good skill set, especially the whole buying, selling, raising money part. So uh, that's what I did before Pouch. Oh, wow. And so was Pouch then your first kind of point of call into the entrepreneurial world? Was this your first taste of kind of entrepreneurship? I did a few things at uni. I started a, a student storage company. So basically rented out a space in Big Yellow Storage and charged like people like 30 quid a box to store their stuff at Nottingham Uni over the summer rather than having to take it home. Uh, it didn't go very well. I think we just about broke even, but it was, it was yeah, it was fun. And then I also um, put on a big student charity concert. So that was cool. We raised like five grand for charity. And I did that in my first term at uni. And that was a, you know, that was not knowing anyone, having no money, managed to negotiate everything. Um, so, yeah, I tried a few smaller projects, I would say, but this was definitely my first foray. And it came around because you know, Ben, one of my co-founders, friend from school, he was working in this space and he said, oh, I've got this idea, which was a browser extension that automatically found, found voucher codes because he worked for a company called Yieldify that did a similar thing to Pouch in terms of, coupons at checkout but it was like a b2b sales like SaaS product you know but his idea was pretty much you know it's evolved but what we're, we built today i was like yeah mate this sounds great like 
let's give it a go. I didn't really like my job at UI. I thought if it all goes downhill, I'll just go traveling for six months and come back and find something else. So it was very much a case of I've got nothing to lose. The idea sounds good. I wanted to work with my friend. So uh, let's give it a go. Amazing. And so it sounds like you always kind of had that entrepreneurial streak in you. I always say, you know, it takes a certain person to be a co-founder, a founder, co-founder, et cetera, et cetera. And you always kind of had that inside you. And then you obviously you studied like the accountancy and that side of things and then brought it to the business. So talk me through like Pouch. Obviously, the, you just explained how it started with Ben and, and, you know, his background. But then where did you guys take it from there? And where did you see the vision and the goal with Pouch? So for those of you that don't know, Pouch is a browser extension, which is an app for your browser. So Chrome, Safari, Firefox. Most people, if you haven't if you haven't heard the term browser extension, I'm sure you'll actually be using one if you use something like an ad blocker or Grammarly or there are a lot of you know business extensions that are, that are used. They're anything you download onto your browser. And, and the idea came about because the current way of searching, for, I know it sounds like you think it's quite a niche thing to t- problem to be tackling, but the current way when we started in 2016 of finding voucher codes was going on a voucher code website. And, you know, everyone's heard of, you know, these big voucher code websites. You type in my protein voucher code and you get a list of hundreds of them. And they just didn't really provide a good user experience because they had a lot of broken, invalid, expired codes. And the reason for that was those companies make money based on their Google rankings. So they'll have loads of rubbish content just if it makes them rank higher. And, you know, if you click on one of those voucher code sites and the code is invalid, if you buy anyway, they still make it an affiliate commission. So that's how we make money, affiliate marketing. So they don't necessarily care about having good content. And we thought, well, we know like e-commerce is growing. People are shopping online a lot. Voucher code usage is increasing every year. Let's build something with the user in, in, in mind first and let's worry about revenue a bit later. Let's like make sure we have all the best codes because the codes are available publicly through data fees and different things like that. Let's just build this extension, get all the best codes in it and put the user first and you know see how we go. And it was one of those things when when we showed people, they were like, why does this not exist already? And when someone says that to you, you know you're onto something. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, just then as you were talking, I was like, I am the example that you are kind of describing. I will go, I will just type into Google, blah, 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 voucher codes or student discount or whatever I'm kind of looking for. And you come up and every time I click on these websites, like 99.9% of the time, the codes don't work. They they are not, like you say, providing the service that they say they are. And I'd only, I only heard of Pouch like through kind of looking you guys up to get in contact with you. And I, I've started, like I've downloaded it, added it to the thing. And I think it's incredible. Good. I would have left this recording if you told me you hadn't yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like you say, it, because people are using these voucher websites, these voucher code sites, and they're always coming up on Google, like they, like you say, they're quite famous now themselves for being awful. It's like, how has no one done this before? And why, why, yeah, why hasn't this been done even sooner? So the reason it hadn't been done is because by the big voucher code websites is because if they built an extension, right, someone installs the extension, therefore you don't need to visit a website anymore. So they would be killing their core business if they made this a success. Right. Innovators dilemma, classic thing. So when we came up with the idea, you know, we were like, is anyone else doing this? And we saw there were a few people in America doing it. And that gave us a confidence to say, well, if it's working there, we, it can work here. So we were 
pretty much the first of its kind in the UK. And when we launched, like I said, we monetized our affiliate commission. So affiliate marketing is how you get paid by driving traffic from one source to another or converting or, you know, a cost per acquisition, always a cost per action. And the, the affiliate networks we use to get in touch with retailers and to track all our, our sales. Some of the voucher code websites, we call them publishers. So perhaps as a publisher, other voucher code subs are publishers. You have the networks that facilitate everything. You have the retailers that, you know, pay pay commissions. The other voucher code sites and cashback sites were up in arms. They're like, this can't be right. Da, da, da. And we're like, no, it's absolutely fine. And they all, you know, said it's not going to work and we, we don't like extensions. And four years later, they've all got their own now because, um, you know, they just saw, saw the way forward. And so browser extensions, obviously this is your guys' forte, they're becoming increasingly popular. I don't know, I'm not an expert, so maybe you can educate myself and some of the listeners on this. When did they first start kind of gaining traction? Was it around the time that you guys created Pouch? Is that when they were becoming ever increasingly popular? And are we just going to see them skyrocket even further? Um, I don't have a good answer for that for when they started to become popular. Uh, I know there were a few popular ones when, you know, the new version of Chrome was released like back in 2013. Like a few extensions were released with that browser update. Uh, I think when we started, there were probably three or four extensions with over 10 million users. Now there's probably, you know, 50. And there's a lot of, if you work in, you know, any sales of any kind, every um, SaaS sales product, so Salesforce, they will have their own extension to complement what you're doing. So they are becoming more and more and more popular. Interestingly, one of the things we heard when we were raising money in the beginning, we actually pitched Alex Chesterman, who was like the CEO of Zoopla back in the day, and he now CEO of Kazoo. And he said that, you know, I don't think they're ever going to be mass market enough as, you know, as a, as a product, you know, he's not everyone's right 100% of the time, you know, he kind of was proved wrong. And there was a business in America, similar to ours, that got bought by PayPal for four billion dollars. So, uh, yeah, lots of money to be to be made in the extension game. It seems definitely. Obviously, you've you've touched on this now with the uh, companies in America that are doing something similar, and that there wasn't mm-hmm. anyone doing what you guys were doing when you create Pouch. Have mm-hmm. have there been anyone else popping up? Have you got like competitors that are doing a, a similar thing? So, quite a lot of American competitors, but we're the kind of number one in the UK, and that's all to do with the the content. We've been around the longest. We have the best content. Now, to cut a long story short, Pouch got acquired by another company called Global Savings Group who run actually now very good voucher code websites. But we have a lot of their content in the extension. So ours works best in the UK, but the American extensions do work best in America. So when we do get a review being like, oh, how are you similar to this brand? We'll say, well, if you're in the UK, use Pouch. If you're in the US, use them. Because they're better. Like we're not, you know, we're not here to lie. We're here to be honest and transparent. It's one of our values as a company to our users. You know, only good working voucher codes, no nonsense, no fake codes, nothing like that. Just honest and tra- transparency. So we'll say, yeah, if you're in another country, use another similar product. But as I said, a lot of the other UK voucher code websites have all built copycats. But in terms of user numbers and experience and reviews, you know, well, well behind Pouch. I think we're the highest rated extension in the UK on Trustpilot, four point six with like 1500 reviews, which is actually massive. And then on the Chrome store, we're five stars with, you know, over a 1000 reviews there. So a very much loved product by our customers, which and that's something I'm actually very proud of, because it's uh, pretty difficult to get 4.6 on Trustpilot for anyone that's ever (laughs) put their product on there. 
Definitely, definitely. And um, so for customers, I'm assuming, well, it is free to uh, add to the extension. So how did you guys monetize it and how did you start gaining revenue? So, yeah, Patch is free to use, always will be. And people think when it's free to use, you're doing something dodgy with data. That's absolutely not true. Until recently, you didn't even need to create an account with Patch to use it. And for those listening, to download it, go on to your, your, it's only on your desktop or your laptop, not on mobile yet. Go on Google Chrome, go to joinpouch.com, and it takes two clicks to install. And the way we make money is pretty simple. Every time one of our voucher codes is used by our users on a site like MyProtein, we get paid a commission by MyProtein for being seen to help convert that sale. Now, those commissions can range you know, from 1% to 10%, depending on the vertical, the basket size, all the rest. But simply, retailers pay us a commission for every sale we convert. And all of those sales are tracked via the affiliate networks that I mentioned before. So, yeah, it's a pretty, pretty simple model. It's all about us getting as many users as possible and then building as many retailer relationships as possible. Oh, amazing. And was it 2016 you guys first started? Uh, yeah, so we launched the product September 16, when to coincide with us going on an accelerator program called Mass Challenge. So, yeah, we launched September 16 but didn't really get any traction until, you know, as you said, we went on Dragon's Den. I think when we recorded the episode, we had like 2,000 users. And afterwards, yeah, we had a lot more than that. Let's just take a moment to pause and reflect. How are you feeling today? If you'd like to feel calmer, less stressed and more empowered to nurture your mental health and well-being, then check out Take Regular Breaks from Karma an award-winning mental health training organisation supporting entrepreneurs, freelancers and business teams. This is the Positive Mental Health Podcast, hosted by founder of Karma, Tanya Diggory, who, along with a range of inspiring guests, explores workplace well-being, how to balance success and mental health, building resilience and much more. You can find them by searching Take Regular Breaks into any streaming service or by visiting thisiskarma.com. Well, that was kind of my next question. So we'll, we'll jump onto that one first. So how was it, you know, pitching on Dragon's Den? First of all, how was the experience? How did it feel from a personal point of view? Uh, surreal, like really, really surreal. So um, we recorded up in Manchester and, you know, you're, you're, you're going through, it's, it's a massive television studio and they give you like a walkthrough in the morning and they tell you exactly how it's all going to work and, you know, they, they tell, uh, and someone asks, you know, what happens when we go in the lift? They're like, oh, no, the lift is fake. It's just like doors moving. And you're like, what? They've ruined the magic. And it's a long day. You're up at like 5.30 to get to the studio for six. And then you're, you know, from 7.30, they, they kind of make you do a practice pitch and a run through. Then from 7.30, you're in the green room. And people can be in there from 7.30 all the way through till 7 p.m. when they may pitch. It's a really long day which is why I think a lot of people kind of mess up because they're just exhausted. The adrenaline all day, you know, it's like you see someone leave the room, they don't come back and, you know, you can be waiting there all day. Fortunately, we went like third. It was only like 10.30 or 11 when we recorded. So energy levels were still pretty good. And yeah, you know, you go through the lift and you go stand on the spot and we stood there. And then the first thing that Peter, I think Peter Jones said, oh, can you guys just move a bit to the left to be on your mark? I'm like, well, <laughs> this is definitely TV. But but after that, and after you get going and you do your three-minute pitch, which is practice, so they want you to rehearse a three-minute pitch, the room's got like black curtains all around it, so you can't see anyone, you can't hear any other noise. So it does actually feel quite genuine, 
in terms of an experience and they make sure that they can't, you know, in the morning you have to walk around the studio. If you need to go to the toilet, someone goes with you. They don't want any chance of you bumping into them. So it was, it was quite genuine, but it was like, yeah, very surreal being in the room. And once we got over that first three minute pitch, it was actually like really enjoyable. Oh, really? That's yeah. amazing. And you guys got all five offers, I, I believe. Correct me if I'm yeah, wrong. Yeah, we did. And uh, that is something that is super impressive. Not That does not happen very often. I'm sure you probably have the stats if it's happened to very few people that have had all five. So we were the third company in 15 years, in the whole series, in the whole history of Dragon's Den, 15 years to get to get all five offers. So, yeah. We were the third company in the 15-year history of the show to get offers from all five dragons, which was crazy. Since then, it's happened a lot more because they were going to cancel the show. So I think people were just making offers on every episode in that one season. I think after like season 16, I think they're now 19. But it was, yeah, it was crazy. And I think the reason we got them is because the product just rang so true. Like our demo was was good. Our three-minute pitch was good. We came across as very presentable and bestable people. And, you know, there was definitely a bit of fear of missing out. But fundamentally, they were like, this is a no-brainer. Like, why would people not use this? And that, I think that's why they invested. Uh, yeah, 100%. And so then for people that haven't seen the episode, which one did you take? Like, talk us through what happened there. So all five gave offers. And then you go to the, the wise wall and go have a chat. And I, look, we didn't really want to take the money because the valuation was like, much lower than we deserved. But it's you know what the show is right it's a tv show so i was thinking the more dragons involved the more likelihood the deal is to not happen because we really just wanted the publicity and so we went with three and, and this is the time i thought you know we can make some good tv here so we decided to go with jenny tuka and tedge and like kind of boy off deborah Meaden and peter jones because that's who everyone goes with and we like we make it a bit more exciting and also like peter asked for a much like he wanted a much better deal for himself than everyone else. So it was like, well, we can just disregard you. And, um, you know, when Deborah, you know, had a lot of rapport, made a lot of good eye contact, but Jenny were going with you. And it was like, I think BBC two made a meme where it was like, when he flirts with you and chooses the other girl, it was, uh, it was really funny. How did it feel to be made into a meme? Well, my co-founder was terrified of like becoming like, a sweaty meme of someone that collapsed like just does terribly on the show so yeah at least we got made into a good meme and not like a like you know a, a really bad meme to be fair if he had maybe he could have like sold it loads as an nft but who knows oh that's so funny sounds like such a great episode and then so what did that mean for the business like how has that how did that affect life for pouch you said obviously your users shot up so yeah talk through that in, in all ways you know we until that point, we'd raised like £113,000. Then we raised another fifty from our main angel just before we went on the show. And then we basically, we said to you know the angels we were speaking to, look, we've got this chance. We're going to be on TV. Put in some money now so we can really capitalise on the opportunity. And we raised another 180. So it allows us to raise money for people to think, you know what? You know, we were very young and naive at the time. It's like, it's worth a punt. Right. And that's honestly, that's what someone said. Yeah, it's worth a punt. Fair enough. Each to their own reason to invest. They made money in the end. So good for them. Then it meant so that meant we could hire more people and prepare for the for the episode going live. 
our CTO and co-founder Vic did an amazing job of like making sure our website didn't crash on the night because we had so much traffic coming to the website, as you can imagine. And it also meant that we had, you know, after the episode, we had a proper business. I think we went from 2,000 to like 45,000 users over a course of two weeks. Yeah, it was like, it felt like, you know, if I was playing for the England team and we were going on a World Cup run, like two weeks of just pure elation, like everything was going so well until until it didn't. It was, yeah, fantastic. It, it, it really gave us our, our first initial boost to make the company a success. I mean, it is incredible, your journey with, with and without kind of Dragon's Den. It is like not your typical startup success story. Like you guys have been on your own journey. How has the business developed? Like where are you guys at now to where you were when you first started? What have been some of the big changes for you? Well, the acquisition for one. <laughs> that would be the biggest. But um, before I get to that, like... You know, it was all going very well during, you know, that that this was like uh, September 2017. But then 2018 was a horrendous year because whilst we're getting all this traffic, the product definitely had some issues. We made some bad hires, which I guess everyone goes through. And we just fundamentally didn't raise enough money. So I told, I think, yeah, we'd raised 343000 in total. Realistically, to really take it to the heights that we envisioned when we started, we would have needed to raise like two or three million digital marketing you know it's so it's so expensive back then even more expensive now and we just didn't have enough capital to really test and learn and test and learn and try different things so actually come march 2018 we were kind of in survival mode again we weren't making enough money to get vcs interested we weren't at those run rates and we didn't have enough cash in the bank or the necessary the knowledge of how to deploy that capital correct like well enough to get to the revenue targets we needed so we were in a bit of a rock and a hard place and that's when we were approached by News UK, News UK, you know, owning the Sun and the Times to, you know, become part of their, what they call their startup lab, where they wanted to find companies that they could help grow and invest in and that could deliver revenue back to them. For us, this was perfect. You know, they wanted us to build a the Sun version of Pouch, a white label. They spent all this time with us. We spent like three months working with them, doing all these tests. They were meant to invest seven figures into the business. The day that they were meant to sign papers, they basically said, we need another six months. So that was heartbreaking and horrendous and the worst experience I've ever been through without a shadow of a doubt. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So we've gone from this year of like this absolute high of going on the den and all this to the, literally the same period next year, like an absolute low of thinking, where's this company going to be? What are we going to do? You know, fortunately, we had a good product. We had a good core team and we knew where we wanted to go. Like, so I think when we, you know, after we went on the den, we had like 45,000 users. And that, that grew, that grew. And then we, we were like, our churn was actually very high because the product just wasn't, I wouldn't say hadn't hit market fit yet, like it has today. So we were losing users and we were having the money issues. But when we met Global Savings Group, they were interested in doing a similar thing to, to the Sun in terms of building white label browser extensions for their media partners. And within three months of meeting them, they had acquired the business. I would call it more of an acqui-hire there was some money paid out to investors and to ourselves, but really they wanted the product, they wanted the team and they wanted the speed. And we wanted a return for our investors, a job for ourselves and to make sure our whole team got hired over. So that's what happened. And, and yeah. was there any kind of like, res- I mean, obviously it has all worked out and, you know, these guys aren't the sun, like you said, and yeah. it has it has been a success story, but were there reservations and, you know, did you have to question it because of what had happened before? Uh, what, in terms of getting the sale done? Yeah. Yeah, 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 we did. Just because we didn't want to get burnt again. But 
they were just like, and you know, we were dealing directly with the founders. They're amazing guys. And, um, you know, they had the same, they basically tried to build an extension, hadn't been able to do it, really believed in our business model as much as we did. And that's why we were able to get the deal done so quickly. And they've let us run really autonomously. And, you know, it's been double digit, you know, triple digit growth every year since we, since we joined. So a very successful acquisition. I think we had like 50 to 60,000 users when they acquired us, you know, we were growing, churning and all the rest. So slowly now there's like almost 300,000 monthly active users. So that's a massive amount of growth, revenue growth, team growth. It's been, it's been absolutely fantastic. And the, the way they treated it as well, it very much felt like we'd been given like our series A. They said, this is your budget. This is like who you need to report to. Go for it. So it was amazing. Yeah, it sounds it. And I, I am a genuine believer of everything happens for a reason. And like yeah. things lead you to different directions. And obviously that is what's happened here. Obviously one of the biggest challenges for you, you know, we've covered quite a few. And in terms of challenges and hard times, how was kind of COVID and the pandemic was, I guess people were online. So was that actually a well-received luck? To be honest, I feel grateful every day for the fact that COVID was a very good period for us. And, you know, it was actually quite, the, the hardest thing about it in terms of business sense was, you know, feeling guilty that, you know, all these other people are suffering and actually we're growing and growing and growing. But, you know, that's just how it is. And we just made sure that, I don't always think about the people side of it because you're dealing with numbers and revenue and all the rest. But during that time when people had to shop online, they didn't have a choice. And Pouch was genuinely helping people save at a time when saving online was never, ever more important. It felt really like it felt more purposeful than it, than it had. You know, sometimes no matter what you're doing, it just feels like a job. And I was like, every time we get a trust pilot review saying, oh, you saved me X amount of my online shopping or uh, my food shop or, you know, I wanted to buy my kid a birthday present, couldn't think I could afford it. Pouch, like, gave me a 20% off voucher and I could afford it. Like, I was like, well, like, I forget that, you know, 300,000 people are using this product. Like, it's crazy, crazy. And, yeah, we grew a lot. I, we, I think we could have grown more. So that's like with hindsight, I think we should have invested more. But, you know, we weren't to know with the amount of just change that was going on in the world so yeah felt very lucky that we you know the the team grew everyone was happy and the parent company gsg handled it so well you know no one went on furlough we just just kept everyone and um just really pushed on so it was an interesting but overall positive period for the business yeah it's interesting that you say that hindsight is a wonderful thing and i feel like this has kind of cropped up maybe in a few different points of your guys journey but if you could go back and start your journey again would you have done anything differently yeah, lots. <laughs> we wasted a lot of money early on putting our faith in other people when it came to digital marketing. The, the three co-founders had like, you know, 80% of the necessary skills you need, you know, no team's perfect, but we didn't have digital marketing skills. And we went to agencies and other charlatans, I would just say, who just took our money and ran. And we didn't have the knowledge about what we were buying, how tracking works, how analytics works. So I would have spent a lot more time getting that set up correct at the beginning. And after that, we brought it all in-house and we you know, got quite good at it ourselves. And then what else? I would have raised a lot more money. Yeah, I would have raised a lot more money because now knowing how expensive digital marketing is, you know, there were time we, we, we closed the round and then people wanted to give us more. We're like, no, the round's closed. We've got more than we need. Da, 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 da. Nah, we should have raised a lot more money at the time. That's definitely something else, yeah. Well, it has all worked out, so I guess that, that is kind of like the silver lining. Yeah, I'm sounding, I'm sounding quite sombre about it. I'm just hearing my voice. It's like it's quite quiet and sombre. No, like um, my mindset through this whole thing 
was don't worry about cash or, you know, I think when we started 25, 26, 27, 28, when we sold it, like, it was like, this never was about the money. It was only ever about the learning. And that's what like kind of angered me whenever something was bad. Because people will tell you, you know, I can only really think of four good weeks in the three years we ran Pouch. During that whole period, it was, you know, winning this mass challenge accelerator. It was the two weeks of Dragon's Den. And it was the week after we got sold, uh, got bought. Like those are the only four good weeks. The rest was really difficult <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. But you, you can tell that obviously you guys weren't in this for necessarily for the money. Like the, one of the first things that you said to me was there was this problem. We want to solve it. We want to create this solution and then we'll think about revenue later. And I yeah. think that that is definitely one of the key ingredients to having a successful business. Like you don't go out there thinking about how you're going to make money. You go out there to kind of solve a problem or help people out in some way or another. And I think you guys have literally smashed that. So yeah, no, we appreciate that. I mean, you do need to know you need to know how you're going to make money eventually. It just doesn't need to be what you're doing from day one. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, my final question to you then: I don't know how much you're allowed to give away. What is next for Pouch? What does the future hold? You obviously mentioned it's not on mobile yet, and I was like, oh, is that something that could be happening? But yeah. So look, everything's going very well, I have to say. So we just released a new feature called Pouch Points, which is our own cashback type product. So as I said, you didn't need to log in to use Pouch. You still don't need to. But if you do log in and create an account, you can now earn points. And points is our way of one, giving back to our giving back to our users and two, making Pouch a lot more useful. So I would say there's only, you know, seven, eight hundred sites that have voucher codes live at any minute, but we want to make sure that our users have a good experience no matter where they shop. So uh, now when you use Pouch, if you if you log in and create an account, you won't always get a voucher code, but if there's no voucher code available, we'll give you back points on your purchase, which has had a good, really good reception so far. And, uh, you know, hopefully it'll make users happy and then they can exchange those points for gift cards when they hit a certain, certain threshold. So a really kind of big shift in our, in, in our product. And that's been great. So, you know, Black Friday is coming up. I would encourage anyone listening to this podcast, if you haven't already downloaded Pouch, you, you should. Like, it's, you know, it's totally free. It really does work. You're not going to have all those re- good positive reviews for no reason. And I give you a personal guarantee that you will save money over the Black Friday period if you use Pouch. I think our average users will save about £80 a month during Black Friday. You know, it could be even more. Obviously, that depends on how much you shop online. But for a, a normal per- for normal purchasing habits... We often have codes that starts like ASOS and eBay, so you're always gonna gonna be quids in there. And yeah, Safari have just launched a feature to allowing extensions to be on mobile. So before we couldn't even like we couldn't replicate the pouch experience on mobile because you know you can't make a a boat go on land, as I would say. We you know we worked in the browser, not on mobile. But thanks to some changes in terms of the big platforms, we're going to be be able to go on mobile soon. And um, yeah, just more just more user growth. We are trying to become number one in the UK. We are in terms of reputation and the number of retailers we work with, but we want to be in terms of user numbers as well. So just onwards and upwards with Pouch. 
Amazing. And yeah, I didn't even think about Black Friday. That must be like insane faulty users and yeah, no brainer. So yeah, I, I, I back that. I encourage anyone to download Pout. I've only just downloaded it myself, but it feels life changing already. So um thank you for creating Pout and thank you for being my guest today. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Anna, thanks so much. I really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, people can find me. Just add me on LinkedIn if you've got any questions. It's just Johnny Plain. I'm sure my name's spelled correctly in the notes. So uh, just add me on LinkedIn or follow me on Instagram. And yeah, happy to speak to any entrepreneurs going on their own journey. Serial Entrepreneur.